the All Things Productivity podcast, discussing all things productivity, interviews and chat, all helping you turn chaos into control. Now, welcome your hosts, David and Maria. Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Things Productivity podcast. Welcome, Maria. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Excellent. Really excited because we've just had the pleasure of interviewing Catherine Garrett-Cox and Elaine Madison. And I think it was a fantastic interview. I hope really you good. guys really enjoy it. Just to give you a bit of background, Maria has uh, some information on both Elaine and Catherine. Uh, yeah, so for those of you who haven't heard of Catherine before, um, Catherine Garrett-Cox is um, currently CEO of Alliance Trust PLC, which is an, invest- an investment and savings business with over 126 years history of building investor wealth. Alliance Trust is a FTSE 250 company and was founded in Dundee in 1888, where its headquarters are still based there today. Catherine's leadership journey started at Alliance eight years ago. She has worked in the asset management industry for over 25 years, the past eight at Alliance Trust. Catherine was promoted to CEO in August 2008 and has since that time, the company has continued to evolve and innovate. The share price hit new heights this year as they announced their 48th consecutive year of dividend increase, a record equaled by only a handful of companies in the FTSE All Share. Catherine co-chaired the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos this year. She supports UKTI as a business ambassador for the financial services and was awarded a CBE in the 2014 New Year's Honours List. She was joined by Elaine Madison in the podcast, who has been a part of this journey. Her development has been rapid and she is now venturing into a new phase in her career as the strategy director for Alliance Trust Savings, a subsidiary of Alliance Trust PLC. Excellent. So, on that note... Yeah. Let's get into the show. (laughs) Enjoy the show. So, Elaine and Catherine, what does your typical day look like, if you have one? My typical day is mainly meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to say there is no typical day, but actually my typical day is meetings. I run a a large complex change programme within Alliance Trust Savings. And so my day is typically involved looking at what the project needs are, meeting with stakeholders, and I'm really just trying to move the business forward. It sounds hard to get a routine into that, I would imagine. It absolutely absolutely is. Um, I think it's important to understand where you are in the the detail of some of this work, but also to be able to step back out. So I'm I'm talking to um, the executive team, to project teams, to customers, um, and so it's, it's, it's a balancing the business objectives against the, the delivery mechanism at all, at all times. Fantastic. And Catherine? And I think uh, in terms of my typical day, um, it, it probably a bit like Elaine's, it does often revolve a lot around meetings, but probably um, more external than mm-hmm. internal. Um, so part of my role is um, representing the business as a whole, meeting with various stakeholders, investors, industry bodies, um, I think one of the challenges that I have in my typical day is trying to create time and space. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when I think about how my days used to evolve maybe a few years ago, I always used to try to create and carve out that space on a daily and weekly basis, which is really just thinking time. And I think as life has gone on and, um, you know, obviously the, the business, as Elaine said, it's quite, it's quite complex. We're obviously operating in financial services, which is very real time. And we're ultimately looking after people's money, which is a hugely responsible role. Um, that time pressure has constituted. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, that for me personally is probably one of my biggest challenges. How do I create space and time in my day? such that I can actually step back and think strategically about what's important for the business in the future. Absolutely. Do you find, Catherine, that tends to happen at home or on the drive home or, you know, the sort of time out of the office where you do get, you know, that sort of free time to think, step back? Um, well, I think it's probably a, a combination. I, I'm, I try really hard uh, to create space and time that doesn't encroach too much on my family life. Mm. Um, and I know that's sort of stating the obvious, but I think, you know, one of the things that I often observe when, when I speak to my colleagues is they go away on holiday. They literally go away. They switch off. They turn all of their gizmos off. They walk out of the office. They come back two weeks later. I think when you're running a business, 
it's very difficult to do that. You know, I, I, I am and I feel, believe me, Lincoln supporters or not, feel incredibly responsible for the people in the business, um, for um, the people that we're looking after. I mean, and actually to, to, to give you an example, um, I got back fairly late from, from a holiday on Sunday night. So I went back into my emails I was checking and I got an email, which I read at quarter to 12 um, from a customer who was uh, having an issue. And the next morning at nine o'clock, I got an email from him saying how impressed he was that I had been checking my emails out of hours. And that was above and beyond. And that left a great impression upon him. So that was a real live example of actually how trying to create space and time to do the right things and to be productive at home and at work is helpful. But, uh, but I think the other time that I find probably best for thinking is aeroplanes. Mm-hmm. I travel a lot. Um, I'm traveling most weeks. I'm traveling this afternoon. Um, I'm flying away to Geneva. And then selfishly, I hate the idea that people will let you use telephones on aeroplanes because actually I find that probably some of the most useful time mm-hmm. to just not be connected because I think your whole life just gets clouded with information. Mm-hmm. Um, and bluntly, I think I make some of my best decisions when I have had time to think about it. Yeah, no, that's great. It's definitely a recurring theme um, amongst our previous guests. And it's interesting to see that it's such a, you know, a high and scaled level of this work-life balance issue being so important. But it's interesting to hear how you both find time, um, necessary time needed to sometimes get some really good results, especially you know, make time for that customer and it's paid off wonderfully. I mean, I think part of our culture at Alliance Trust is very much to focus on the individual. So, you know, it, it doesn't in any way diminish what we're doing as an organisation, but part of the whole focus of the business is that in order for us to best look after people's money, we need to look after our employees. Mm. So I think some of the things that we've implemented over the past few years, I'm really proud of, have been all about creating an environment and a culture where people feel that they can have that space. We've introduced sabbaticals for long service. We give people, you know, two free volunteering days to go off and do things that they feel they want to do. Um, Elena's on actually on a fantastic program at the moment about Pilot Light, which is where we were approached by an organization to give some of our most talented senior managers to help the charity actually Guess, I mean, I don't know if that's something that you might sort of use as an example. Yeah, I mean, we give me, it's a structured program that allows you to spend three hours a month where you go and support a charity, so you effectively sit on a business um, charity board. And it's three hours of a month where you're switched off, as Catherine said, you're switched off from your day-to-day business life and you're just focused. And it's, I find it really difficult to, to disconnect. Um, but actually one of the, the biggest learning points for me coming out of this pilot light program was that, that the value of disconnecting mm-hmm. for a period of time from your day to day working life just gives you a bit of perspective that you, that you bring back. And I would echo, you know, Catherine said, I think actually it was a piece of advice that, that you gave me once was, you know, going home in the evening, it's important to be able to have that disconnect between, mm-hmm. you know, formally switching off from work and I live really locally I don't have a commute so I don't have that drive home to sort of get you know get things um, shake the day off um, but I go home in the evening and I get changed out of my work clothes and that's my disconnect from work and you have to have that time to regain your perspective and actually step back and see the bigger picture because when you're really busy it's 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 often too easy to get sucked into the detail and forget actually the direction that you're trying to trying to be headed in. I mean, it's it's so true because I think, you know, both of us are working mothers and uh, I'd like to think that we both do a really good job all round. But I remember one, one evening I got back home and I was just <clears throat> in, a, in a work dress and, and my children peered at me and said, when are you going to go and take your uniform off? I, mean, I thought it was a really nice dress. And I thought, oh my goodness, I better rush off. But, you know, that they wanted me to be in my, yeah. in my jeans. Yeah. And actually, when they're at home in the holidays, that's what I do religiously. It's the first thing I do. I go upstairs and take my uniform off (laughs) so I don't look like work mummy, I look like mummy. That's a really good visual kind of almost representation of like decompressing afterwards. Really good to hear the kids from that as well. I think that was the one thing I took from it was, you know, the one good thing when I used to travel from Edinburgh to Dundee for eight months I lasted was actually the, the only good thing was that time. And now we live in Newport. 
you're home in two minutes and you don't have that sort of thinking time. Whereas 45 minutes an hour in the car was sort of just the right, you know, the right amount of time to, as you say, decompress and, you know, sort of think about the day, what was going to happen tomorrow. I mean, it's quite interesting, you know, some of these kind of personality surveys ask questions like when you get in a car, do you turn the radio on or do Mm. you leave it off? When you get into a hotel room, do you turn the television on or off? I'm definitely an off person mm-hmm. because that is my quiet time. Yeah. And as Elaine said, I think it is it is a challenge of this ability to stand back. And sometimes in life, I think that's probably the biggest fault that we all sort of run mm-hmm. into is a lack of perspective. And it's very, very easy to lose perspective when you are in high stress, you know, um, you know, high kind of. Uh, risk type environments um, you sometimes make the worst decisions and, and I can honestly tell you that the best decisions I've made in terms of the future thinking look feel structure of the business has always been after a period of some distance and some reflection and if you can have that with frankly everything turned off it's just the noise mm-hmm. that you need to lose it's it's good that you've mentioned there um, you know having the perspective early on well you know inevitably stops more disastrous things happening down the line when you you know you've lost a sense of perspective because you haven't been taking that time out i think it's a good thing to take away it's like little and often everything in moderation uh, instead of letting it all build up and kind of cascade down on you it's going to be an important tip so Catherine, you mentioned uh leadership culture there um perhaps you can describe the leadership culture at alliance trust in a bit more detail and why that actually works well Well, I think firstly, what I would say is I think it's changed and evolved quite a lot over the past few years. And I think I would also say that one of the things I'm really proud of during the time that I've been chief executive at at the company is that we've invested a huge amount of time, money and energy in leadership and development. And we've won various awards. I mean, we've done some really, you know, innovative and, and different things. I mean, we um, I, I used a contact and we pulled over a Harvard Business School professor, used him for, for six days over a couple of years to really talk about how you transition a business with a long and wonderful culture, but frankly, one that needs to modernize. And I remember one of the best bits of feedback I got from that was I shared a, a taxi down to the airport with him and one of my colleagues called me up and said, I just want you to know that bringing Boris over has been like someone turned the lights on in the building. And I just thought it was such a wonderfully descriptive way of saying, actually, part of the culture that we've tried to embody and very much promote is about helping everybody in the business maximize their own potential. And that doesn't mean that everybody is going to be doing the same job. It just means, how do you create an environment where people thrive, grow, develop, And it cascades right through the organization. So, you know, one of the, actually one of the newer things that we've done in the past um, year or so is introduce an innovation group. And that is because, well, personally, and unsurprisingly, I think innovation and embracing modern technology, you know, quite in line with some of the the work that you're doing here is absolutely vital for the business. And one of the phrases I use is that innovation should be the beating heart of your company. It keeps you competitive. It keeps you lean. It keeps you honest. But interestingly, it's not staffed by long-serving members of the staff. These are all people in their 20s because one of the things that we find is actually we haven't got the monopoly on good ideas. Just because I'm 40 doesn't mean that I'm any better than somebody that's in their 20s. So I've learned more from some of our graduates about what we should be doing in terms of social media and communicating with our customers and clients. And that's part and parcel of our culture. Okay. I don't know if you would. Yeah, I, I mean, I would, I would add to that. I think, I think leadership is hugely important to Alliance Trust. I think it's, there's a, obviously a very strong tone from the top from, from Catherine around how we do business, what our values are. And, and I think we've worked really hard over the last three to five years to, kind of combine our leadership culture with um, being customer-centric and everything we do being built around the needs of our customers, our clients, our shareholders. And I think that's something that's embedded right throughout the organisation. So it's that real values base, but it's 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 not just a badge that we have on the website. It is actually something that 
you can walk in and ask any member of staff what we're all about, and mm-hmm. that's the one thing that they'll that they'll hang their hat on. Um, but I, I would echo what Catherine said as part of the kind of senior leadership team. We're all very aware of the role that we have to play and the difference that it can make, and we don't kind of stand back and say, "Oh, well, you know, that's Catherine's job to to sort that out." You know, it's it's dispelled amongst actually quite quite a large number of people across the organisation. And I think it's quite an acid test. So um, at the end of um, our graduate recruitment process, I'm the final person that sees them. And we are probably one of the very few organisations in financial services of reasonable size where the chief executive would get involved. But it creates such goodwill. And when I ask the candidates why they're interested in us because I mean these are often you know young men and women who could go anywhere that they wanted you know why are they choosing to come here to Dundee to work with Alliance Trust and they say a few things to me but one of them is that the people are unbelievably friendly and helpful so it's a it's an environment a culture where you can grow you can learn and you can develop yourself both professionally and personally and I think it's the juxtaposition of those two elements that's so important it's not just I'm not just interested in, in Elaine's progress from a professional point of view. I also want her to know that she's personally fulfilled, that she can manage her work-life balance, that she is being developed outside of the business, that her standing in the community is important. But the other thing, which is, is also echoing what Elaine said, uh, one of our graduates who's just about to start, who is coming from a business school in Amsterdam, I mean, she, you know, she is... She speaks seven languages. She was born um, in the Caribbean. Uh, she's an extraordinary lady. I said, what on earth are you doing here? Uh, you know, I'm delighted, but really? And what she said was, it's a very rare thing when, as a young person, you find a company where you feel your own values are absolutely in sync with the organization. And for me, that was, that was the light bulb moment. I thought, then I know we're doing something good. So... You know, as Elaine said, we, we set out a real mission of being the most trusted investment and savings business. And I think we've come a really long way to achieving our goal. I think people also, um, not just in the graduate programme, but people who join us recognise as a business we've got drive. And I think it's it's not a business that's sitting just kind of managing business as usual and going from day to day. There's a real sense of purpose to the organisation. Mm-hmm. I think... Catherine quite often stands up in front of the leadership team and, you know, asks us to, to run faster, um, jump higher, and actually just when we think we've got there, she lifts the team, you know. Um, but actually a lot of people, being part of a business that, that you can really make a difference and actually you can help move the business forward is hugely important to people in their careers because ultimately that's what's going to help them progress if they're just joining a business that's you're doing the day job, day in, day out, and that's that's not our style at all. Well, one of the questions I was going to go on to ask there, because you were talking about it, and it's, it's perfect, um, talking about drive and motivation, um, you know, I was going to ask, do you feel responsible for the individual motivation of people and teams, or do you rely on managers? It's sounding like that a lot of people are just self-driven quite strongly within the business, but even though that might be the case or might not be, you tell me, um, do you do? Do you have things in place to help people self-motivate or is it an active thing on your behalf? Um, well, I think it's a real combination. So yes, we have lots of interventions along the way. We do a lot of training and development. Um, most people are studying for some sort of professional qualification, which we support and pay for. Um, but I also think that we actively look for people when we're recruiting who are self-starters. And, um, yeah, I, I think we have been phenomenally lucky. I mean, Dundee is a, is a wonderful place to recruit in because, you know, there are lots of young people. There are lots of very kind of motivated people. And frankly, if you want to be in financial services, there's not a whole kind of range of options. So we have the pick of the crop. And very, very often, and, you know, I can think of a few, and Elaine will, will as well, we do lose people. They come for a few years, they get a great training, and they sort of want to spread their wings. But the number of people that come back is really, really high. And actually, specifically in Elaine's part of the business, in Alliance Trust Savings, um, we lost a couple of, of extremely competent ladies, you know, just because their lifestyle changed. They wanted, you know, they wanted to spread their wings. They felt the grass was greener. And one of the things that we do um, fairly regularly is I host a, a, a kind of new coffee, um, new, new starts coffee group. 
um, because I'm really interested in why people have come, what they've seen sort of working well in other organizations so we can shamelessly copy yeah. all the good ideas, which I think is really important. And then, um, and really just to sort of actually just have a conversation, get them speaking. And I was really surprised when I saw these two ladies sitting in the front row. I said, well, what are you doing back? You know, you've left us and now you've come back. You know, what made the difference? Uh, and they said, well, you know, we went, you know, the grass was a bit greener. We thought that was, that was good. But what we didn't like and what we missed and what we've come back to is the family feel mm. of Alliance Trust. And I think that's really important. I think this nurturing idea, which actually goes to what you were saying, Maria, is that it, it is a place where people feel they can be themselves. And, it, it, you know, bluntly, one of the things that I often say when I get asked to speak to younger women, particularly in financial services, is that so often an organisation sucks you in you know, and it basically forces you to become someone that you're not. Absolutely. And I've always said that the day that happens, you have to leave. Mm -hmm. Because I think one of the most appealing things about any people in organizations, because ultimately, you know, Alliance Trust, it, it's not a building, it's not four walls, it's not a corporate structure, it's the people in it mm -hmm. that make it what it is. And if they, for, for whatever reason, come to work and feel that they are doing something or dressing differently, you know, you're on a hiding to nothing. So I think, you know, that is just so important um, in any corporate structure. So you've got to be yourself. And I think we've been really good at giving people the tools because it is a combination of culture and things that make people feel that their lives are successful and um, fulfilled. Absolutely. Um, sounds like you're really breaking down kind of the barriers as well between, you know, higher execs and like new starts and things like that, these coffee mornings and things, which is also can be with wonders for like staff morale and motivation. And well, I think one of the things that I'm best known for is wheeling the post trolley round on hot days with ice creams. <laughs> But I, but I have to have a helper just to, because the health and safety. I'm not allowed to do, to do it myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, know, I, I did howl with laughter. So I really, I need a helper, but that's okay. That sounds fun, man. <laughs> we should get ice creams, Dave. Um, I think you finally bought ice creams. <laughs> yeah. uh, it didn't come around in a trolley. So, uh, I did make the trip over the bridge to go and get ice creams. So. so, guys, on a sort of day to day basis, and I guess Elaine, maybe start with you in this one. But, um, you know, are you responsible for the sort of individual motivation of people and teams? Or, you know, do you rely on the managers beneath you, I guess, to sort of help motivate? Um, well, actually, up until about six months ago, I was overseeing um, the operation in Alliance Trust Savings. So I had about 130 people within my area of responsibility. So from a line management point of view, they, they reported into me. And I've recently just changed roles where I'm now responsible for, a, a, I guess, a, a virtual team through sort of matrix management. Um, and I'm having to adjust, actually. It's much easier when you have a group of people who sit in your department yeah. and you control their objectives and you can very formally um, sort of, you know, help them move towards where you want to go. So I'm having to, I'm having to adapt. So I'm working with um, a matrix management structure in this program. We're working with external third parties. So um, right now um, we have a large-scale program which has about four different um, external parties working, and we're one ultimately one big team. So that's that's quite challenging because everyone has slightly different um, angles to to the project and how they want to take it forward. So you're very much relying on having clear objectives, you know, open lines of communication, making sure everyone understands what part they play in this overall program. Um, so I would say I'm having to adapt my style, um, and and it's and it can be challenging. But communication is definitely the one thing that has to be. Everyone has to know what they're working towards. Otherwise, it, it's just going to fail from from the outset. How how does that communication work for you? How does it work in terms of what's the most effective way of communicating with you know these sort of disparate teams, if you like, or you know people out with your department as such. We're lucky at the moment because we're, we're small enough, actually, so internally we can get everyone together. So right. we always try face-to-face -face whenever mm -hmm. we can. Um, but we're working with third parties at the moment, so we have regular video conferences yeah. with them. So we try and get everyone as close face-to-face -face mm -hmm. as, we, as we can. 
um, we've got a weekly video conference where we have about five screens on the television. So there's, you know, maybe 40 people, but spread across kind of Edinburgh, London, Newcastle, Dundee. Um, and that, and that works, that works quite well, actually. Um, because if you, if you get into sort of the email traffic, or, mm. thing, you know, things get lost yeah. in translation. So we try our best wherever we can to do face to face or as close to, as close to that virtual face to face by VC. Absolutely. Catherine, how did do you, I mean, in terms of your sort of weekly sort of meetings and looking after, how much of that is driven, you know, towards speaking to the management team and, you know, motivating them, I guess? Uh, quite a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Elaine says, I much prefer face to face. So I would say the sort of structure of my week is fairly evenly balanced between meetings with lots of people and one-to-one meetings um but you know i i i'm you know i try and be as productive as i possibly can because i frankly hate meetings that drone on forever with no purpose no outcome and no minutes so i do hold people to account um you know i think uh, i get quite antsy when timekeeping goes right i hate being late and i hate people being late i think it just it's not a very good use of time um but I also don't particularly like grandstanding. I mean, that's just, you know, really not my thing at all. So I think there's a generally sort of reasonable expectation. So most of my meetings are one-to-ones. People come with very clear agendas. I like that. We work through them. I hit them with my extra points. Meeting done, you know, we, we kind of agree when we're next going to regroup. Um, so that's probably the, the form. I mean, we increasingly have used um, VC because we've got offices in London and Edinburgh as yeah. well. So we've tried to make sure that we can frankly reduce our carbon footprint and our cost base by using VC. It's come a long way. I don't think it's perfect. I think nothing replaces a face-to-face conversation yeah. <clears throat> and um, particularly difficult conversations. Uh, you know, They are not well delivered. Um, iPad to iPad. So. <laughs> so you know the one question I really want to ask is, and this is something <laughs> you're building up. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's got me off guard. Yeah, no, I'm so glad I'm sitting down. <laughs> no, the one question I really want to ask, and it was you said um, there's no point being in meetings without you know the sort of whole accountability. And the one thing that all things does really well is allow you to you know assign something to somebody, a task, and that person knows, you know, because you're on a shared list together. How do you follow up? Is it done through minutes after each meeting? You know, that sort of, I need you to do this for me. You know, I want to know that. And I don't like asking twice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I really don't like asking twice. (laughs) Um, At at the moment, um, it is largely driven through three minutes. I mean, unsurprisingly, our industry and our business is heavily regulated. Mm -hmm. So we have responsibility to keep a lot of minutes. Um, I mean, we obviously are a PLC, so listed company. We run a number of subsidiary boards, all of which are regulated as well. So we have a responsibility that you know, is sort of put on us from external purposes. Um, but uh, people don't like coming with the fact that they haven't delivered on their actions. So we have an extremely um, competent uh, and, and well-respected company secretary. Uh, he's been with us for nearly nine or ten years now. And he is a phenomenal minute writer. And you do not want an action against your name with an outstanding deadline. deadline. Definitely not good. And I think it's really important because actually it, it just implies sloppiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other key point is that um, it is there for all to see. So everybody in those in those meetings, yeah. I mean, it's not virtual. It's not as clever as, as what you're doing at the moment. Um, but it does mean that people do not want to come where they haven't delivered on an action. And, sure. you know, generally speaking, when people haven't, then they will obviously come and, and sort of explain, you know, what mitigating circumstances there were. Once. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, it's, it's a good point. We, um, well, I used to have um, a boss at the time who would ask you to do something once. If he asked you twice, you knew he was semi-serious. You didn't want him asking a third time. Yeah. But the reason he was, you know, always thinking about different new ideas. He'd come in and he would say, Oh, in the shower this morning, I thought we should be doing this. 
and you thought it was a shower idea, so no. And then when he said, have you done this? You go, mm, better write it down. And then the third step, I better get it done quickly. So, <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think it's, you mean, I know we're making light of it, but it's such an important thing mm. because pace in an organization is fundamental to the success or failure. And, you know, good ideas are only a good idea if you actually execute yeah. on it. And that's what, that's where the people element comes in. You know, you need, I need, Elaine needs to have total trust that when we cascade something down in terms of, I want this done by this date, that it will be done because we just haven't got time to keep rounding up saying, why hasn't it been done? Um, and I think, you know, without being a sort of threatening or subversive culture, Actually, what I find is that the peer group thing works really well yeah. because actually people say, oh, I notice you've got that action. I think I've got something to contribute. Let me help. Let me help you hit that deadline. But I think, you know, in any organization, you've got to be very clear, particularly if you're driving big projects uh, like Elaine or, or running the business like I am, you've got to be very clear. So you can't hold people to account if you don't tell them what you want them to achieve by when. Yeah. Um, and then actually hold them to account if they don't do it because you're right. You know, otherwise they say, ah, well, she won't do anything yeah. anyway. Well, no, she might. But I think it ties back to having a very clear purpose to begin with. So you don't get the, I woke up in the shower one morning and decided yeah. we were going to go off and make pizzas. I think it's about <laughs> having that, you know, very clear purpose. And actually everything we do is tied back to that. And if it's not, then you you can just say, well, actually, that's not part of our plan or it's actually not contributing to where we want to go. You know, for, forget it. Yeah, I think that's probably some of the joys of startup life. And, yeah. Um, too many ideas. Yeah, yeah. Too many ideas and actually choosing which ones to execute on and doing the right ones. Yeah. So, but yeah. I think that really comes back. And again, sort of complete finishers are really important at, at levels in organisations because I always contend it's much better to do 100% of six things than 60% of 10 yeah. things. Because, you know, therein lies the rub. You know, you might have lots of things going on, but you haven't finished or completed anything. So you've really got nothing to show for yourself. That's where we just had that same conversation in our last podcast with Chris Martin of Oracle. Um, he said, make sure you, you know, you actually execute and finish. It's not trying to juggle 20 balls in the air and, you know, you're better to complete five and have those down. Done. I agree. It's funny actually. I, I have um, one of our. Um, I think Kevin talked earlier about we've got an innovative group, and I'm mm. mentoring one of them. And I was having a conversation with him just about that actually last week, where um, he doesn't really know where he wants to go in his career, but what he's really strong at is being a completer finisher. His mm. execution skills are are actually really strong, and bizarrely, at where he is in the organisation, he didn't really see that that was a strong suit for him to actually mm -hmm. push forward with and um, myself and one of the guys that we're working with were saying to him, no absolutely we don't have enough people like you you know you really need to focus on on honing that skill and, and taking it forward and he sort of walked out of the meeting thinking well actually that is something I can I can focus on yeah. going forward he just thought actually I don't get I don't have enough ideas or I'm not the creative person mm -hmm. so it's quite an interesting debate because he didn't feel that 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 was a, a useful skill that was going to take him throughout the organisation. It's interesting. Well, I think too much creativity got the financial <laughs> services <laughs> just been a bit of a mess. So I'm saying, you know, so I think, you know, delivery is good. Creativity yeah. can be good, but, Absolutely. you know, in, in limited measure. Leave it to the innovation team. Yeah, life. exactly. And um, from listening to you so far, I mean, I know you, Elaine, saying that your day comprises mainly of meetings and you're travelling quite a lot. Both of you, do you... You know, we've talked as well a lot about routine is quite can be really good for productivity and getting the work done, finishing those tasks, you know, um, completing things that have really stressful deadlines and things. Um, so do you have a routine? Do you have an established routine? Or do you just kind of, you know, going back to what we're saying at the start of the podcast, you know, we're saying it's about finding those little moments and just kind of recollecting yourself and then seeing the bigger picture? Or do you try and get up at this time of day and make sure you have this done by lunch and meet that person every time, every single day, every in that part of the week? We can't count. It's another one of your short questions. Again, <laughs> I don't know. I've got them written down, but I still seem to just tangent. Oh, it's just so bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I think for me, I, I have a routine which works around my work life. Mm -hmm. So I have a home routine that yeah. I try and 
that I try and stick to, and I probably always start off the week with good intentions, mm-hmm. but I think I think what's important is actually being you know, having the things that you need to do and getting them done, but also having a degree of flexibility mm-hmm. so that if something knocks you off track, you don't completely spiral into panic because you're you know, you've gone off as long as you can always come back to where you need to be. Um, and I think that's something that I've probably learned over the over the years from Catherine, who's always reminded me. You know, you need to see the bigger picture. You need to you need to find a way of of dealing with those those pitfalls in the road. Um, so I think it is important to have a routine, and it does help. But you also need to have a degree of flexibility and resilience to mm-hmm. when that routine just just can't quite follow through for whatever reason. And it's quite interesting that you've mentioned that. Um, seeing the bigger picture, I can understand, and I've fallen track of this, you know, the night before you plan your day, well, I do, at least, and I plan my day, and it's like, what am I going to achieve, what, you know, what needs to be done, what do I do in the evening, that kind of thing, um, and unless you, you're super pedantic with this kind of thing, and then you plan your day, and then you plan your week, and then you plan your month, and then you end up planning six months, and then it's a year, and then you have a five-year goal, and I can understand how that's good, but a lot of, I can imagine, you know, speaking for certain people here, that they just plan the day ahead. If you don't have the bigger picture in mind, it, you can just come wrapped up in you know what needs to be done in the next twenty four hours, which isn't you know it can be limited and restricting. But it's really interesting that you you know you highlighted the difference between that at least to me. Sorry, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you come in there before I just do myself a bigger hole. <laughs> no, I mean I think it comes back to what we've already touched on, which is that I think as a company and as an individual you really need to know what your purpose is Mm -hmm. and I think you know it's something that a lot of people make light of but it is so critical in terms of how you get it right and I think that you know routines are important but I think over the years that I've been in this sector the most successful people in businesses that I've observed have been people with a high degree of agility Mm. And, you know, I know <clears throat> 25 years ago that the industry looked completely different. And I've learned things and I now do things that I wasn't expecting to do. Well, I wasn't expecting to be in finance for a start. So, I mean, there's one big surprise. <laughs> uh, so I've, you know, stayed the course 25 years. But, you know, I think that part of the role of any leader in any organization, slightly sort of irrespective of level, is you do have to, I call it, and I talk a lot about this, the castle on the hill. You know, you need to know where you're heading. It's a bit like you see the castle on the hill. It can be, you know, a fortified tower or it can be, a, you know, a Disney, a Disney pink creation. But you know that the road is going to be paved with success and failure between here and there. And you need to, as, as Elaine said, it's a great word we use a lot, be resilient enough to know what's important, which paths do you take. You know, sometimes you do have to take a bit of a sort of detour diversion but the key thing is, are you getting back onto the same track or are you basically throwing your hands up and kind of, you know, flaking out and burning out at the age of, you know, 20, 30 or 40? So I think that you do need to be agile. And I think some degree of routine is helpful. Some people thrive in a very structured environment. Some people just lose the plot. So I think you kind of need to know what, what works for you. Um, I mean, you know, from, from a personal perspective, I don't have fantastic routine other than you know I get up at six o'clock every morning I'm usually in the office just after you know seven seven thirty and I'm usually there until quite late if I'm not traveling and if I'm not traveling I often have dinners and so again it comes back to the conversation we had at the beginning is you know how do you create that space and time but I think that at the same time you know part of what's important is to know what you want to achieve beyond the next five seconds beyond the next week certain things you can't achieve overnight but one of the things that's so important is you need to take people with you you need to give them that bigger picture because Mm -hmm. some people are brilliant at creating it for themselves um you know some people are kind of beyond creative they probably you know (laughs) go a little bit too they should just maybe stick to the cartoons Uh, but i think you need you need to understand what's actually realistic Mm -hmm. and how you can build a resilient successful sustainable organization that will deliver what people want because you know this is a big deal we are looking after people's savings Mm -hmm. this is not something we can just decide now we're not going to do that today Mm -hmm. well for me what stuck out from there is the 
very thin line between planning and routine and they're so kind of interdependent on one another but ultimately one is going to see you get to that castle on the hill kind of thing whereas one can only maybe just restrict you a bit it's an interesting perspective yeah not to mention the agility aspect of it as well yeah. you know oh, we really make people do star jumps first thing in the morning I think if you can't do star jumps you can't come <laughs> All over Sardance. Now it's down the recruitment pool, just a wee bit. <laughs> so, in the last two years, what do you think? Have you perhaps got a really helpful insight as to what's helped you be more productive? Just something in the last two years that you've thought, that's it for me. As an individual or as a business? Individually. Or you can answer as a business, whatever. I, I mean, I'm a really simple beast. I actually think that one of the things that's helped me be more productive is better technology out of the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that sounds just so simple, but no, it does mean that I'm much more productive. Um, it's, it doesn't always work, I would say. But, you know, an ability to have a small piece of kit that you stick in your bag with a keyboard that works, which means that you could be anywhere. You could be in an yeah. airport, you could be in a hotel, you could be at home, whatever. Um, it's a, that has certainly made me be much more productive, I think. Um, and I think that then means that I'm very clear about what I'm doing in the office, which probably makes me more productive in the office. So when I'm there, I spend more time face-to-face with people and don't spend time doing things that I can do remotely. Yeah, absolutely. So, That's a good I point. Mean, sorry, it sounds crazy. Well, that customer oh, answering that client email the other night, you did that, what, quarter to 12? That would have been something you would, most people would have jumped onto straight away first thing in the morning, I would imagine. But Yeah, maybe it's it a bit sad. No, not at all. Oh, I, would, no, I would have no. done the same. Mm-hmm. I've done many a time, I think. I mean, there are certainly some businesses that um, have implemented some quite interesting policies whereby they almost forbid emailing, sending and receiving after eight o'clock at night. And there was one German business I was reading about where if you go away on a holiday, they set your email box up so that you actually can't receive anything. It sort of almost explodes. But, you know, the problem is, is that, I mean, having been away for a couple of weeks, I got back yesterday and with the best will in the world, it probably took me a good couple of hours to surf through my dreaded inbox to see what was actually important and urgent and what was a waste of time. But you've kind of got to open them all mm. to have a quick look. Could be a real little gem in there. Well, absolutely. There wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointed from Dundee. Aline, yeah. what about yourself? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think, um, I mean, I have an 11-year-old daughter, so I, I have that home routine. Um, so being able to kind of just pack up the office, go home, do what I need to do at home, but have sort of the, the technology to enable me to to finish stuff off, I think that's really important. I think um, I'm obviously way behind Catherine's curve in terms of my leadership journey, but I think I feel like I've sort of mastered the art of delegation over the last 12 months. And I think I think that is really important, knowing where you should spend your time I think being able to kind of sift out the sort of mass of things you have in front of you um, and being able to really pick out what you should focus on and actually what you feel confident enough to actually let it go or hand it off to someone else, I think that's actually a really important skill set and it's it's much harder than it than it sounds and that probably if you'd asked me 12 months ago, yeah. I would have said I was really good at it, but, but I actually wasn't at all, as I'm sure... Catherine will tell you, but I definitely think that's a skill that we need to develop in all of our managers coming up throughout the organisation because that is ultimately, it's sometimes not working out what to focus on, but being confident enough to say what not to focus on yeah. is, is sometimes more important. No, that's great. What not to focus on. That's yeah. definitely, definitely a good one. Absolutely. Um, so final question here, uh, quite a, a big one. Uh, in a nutshell, what is the most important and fundamental piece of advice you'd give any entrepreneur, manager, startup, people looking to grow a business, anyone in a position of you know potential change and growth? Either well, if I could be controversial and go with two things, 
Um, which actually because one leads really nicely on from what Elaine was just saying I think you know one piece of advice would be don't don't sweat the small stuff Mm -hmm. because I think it's so easy and I've seen it in startups I mean I've been an investor all my life and I've invested in you know small companies big companies and that for me is is the reason that businesses go off track and they fail to execute because they just get hung up on the small unimportant things and you know one of the best piece of advice I got from a from a Harvard Business School professor who I just admire massively is he said you know you've got to build yourself in your work life uh, this important and urgent matrix and you've got to kind of map all of your tasks from time to time in the important and urgent box and I have a fabulous assistant who has been with me for many years and uh, you know Leanne and I have this sort of standing joke that if, if a request comes in we go is it urgent and important? Yeah, we'll do it. If it isn't urgent or not important, no, we'll can it. And actually, it's a really good tool to, to sort of sort of shift stuff out. The, the other thing, the other piece of advice that I would say is that things will come along, particularly when you're in startup and, and uh, new businesses, and it's so easy to just jump at absolutely everything. And then you end up being deeply unproductive because your time, again, is sucked into things that might sound good uh, and may have sounded good five months ago, but are now totally not what you should be spending your time on. So I would say, uh, you know, learn to say no to, to the good things so you can say yes to the really great things. Oh, that's a really good way. I can edit that. Yeah. I, I would definitely concur with that last one. I think um, particularly in, in my area of the business, we've spent a lot of time trying to be all things to all people and actually focusing on what you're good at, what you want to achieve and being confident with with that is actually hugely important. And my other thing, not that you asked for two, but Catherine gave two, so I feel like I should. Um, the other thing was, <laughs> is you, you gave me this piece of advice actually about eating frogs, but I won't describe that, but oh, it's well, about yeah making that. Well, Chris Moss spoke about that in yeah. yeah, It's yeah. a great book. Brian Tracy's yeah. Um, yeah. That, eat, eat That, that frog. frog. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you have to do that first thing in the morning. We have a lot of frogs to eat, I think, most days. <laughs> Um, but but I think it is important about not shying away from difficult decisions or um, because because even if you think oh I'll, I'll look at that later and you go off and do other mm-hmm. things you don't do any of those things particularly well because you have constantly got that one thing yeah, on your mind so that's that would be my top tip. That's excellent, excellent point to finish on, ladies. I'm conscious we are um, rolling into an hour here, which would uh, oh, be goodness. taking up. T- well, so your listeners might bad. be asleep. Not, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but listen, thank you very much for your time. I think we could talk to you all afternoon. Yeah. Um, that would be deeply unproductive. And we've got to go and eat some frogs. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Thank right, you. Thank you. Bye bye. And welcome back. So here we are again. Um, I thought that was absolutely fantastic. I thought we'd do a quick uh, sort of 10 minute sort of takeaway session from that. Maria, did you enjoy that? I did. I did. Uh, just to clarify that uh, Elaine and Catherine are not in the room. They, with their busy schedules, have sauntered off. I think Catherine has gone to Geneva. All exciting. I'm wondering what they'll be thinking about the word sauntering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sauntering off, I did this I didn't mean stuff. it like that. <laughs> no, so I mean, I think it was fair to say that was, you know, uh, an interview that was really important for us is, you know, to be able to um, have such high caliber guests on the podcast was uh, not first for us because we don't want to offend anyone else that's <laughs> yeah. gone before. But, uh, you know, as you know, this is a sort of start of our podcasting journey uh we've had some great feedback so we hope you you guys really enjoyed that this is probably going to extend into an hour we've never done that before but it was certainly oh, no, we something did it for richard tub uh, richard, richard tub dragged us into an hour didn't yeah. tubby um so yeah just literally five ten minutes just sort of taking apart that interview and um pulling out some of the sort of pertinent points that we felt were really good we both listened to it again Mm-hmm. Um, I've come back loaded with no notes. So, in, let's start. Dave, what did you think? Cook <laughs> and shot. Uh, Sorry, I'll start waffling. Uh, I thought you <laughs> wanted me to leave this. Let's no. go. Uh, yeah. So, what did you, what about the start of the interview? What did you take from that? 
I thought it was great that, um, you know, somebody like Catherine has, you know, or certainly strives to have such good work life balance. Um, you know, busy lady, as she said, she was off to Geneva, I think it was after leaving us. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Elaine said something which was quite funny. No, she wasn't off to Geneva. She <laughs> was off to look at some <laughs> regulatory well, documents. Yeah. So yes. Um, but nonetheless, you know, good that both of them as working mothers try to achieve that sort of good work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got a lot from that. Um, Catherine gave the great example of replying to a customer's email at quarter 12 at night and, and hearing such positivity from the customer the next day. And she made an important point that within a certain industry, certain different industries, they can't have the, you know, clock off at five and just leave the work at home kind of thing. Um, obviously, she recognised the importance of having your own time and space and the work-life balance, but also recognise that um, working within the financial industry, you know, you don't have that luxury because it's such an important industry. I think it's the same with everything. You know, you can, you can say, okay, it's Friday at five o'clock, I'm going to switch everything off and... We've talked about this before, but, you know, it's quite difficult as a business owner just to say, do you know what, if a customer's having an issue, you wait till Monday. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes if you can see a quick win and you can reply to somebody, if it's quarter to 11 on a Friday, then, you know, that's going to make all the difference. Um, So I think delivering that sort of high level of customer satisfaction is really, really important. Whether you're a small startup or a big PLC, and that's that was what was quite nice, mm-hmm. and I think that's what probably really impressed that customer the most was the CEO replied at quarter to twelve. Absolutely, I like the um, the keep telephones ban. She talked about banning telephones and planes because that was something Catherine found it was a sort of sanctuary for her being able to, with all the travel she did, to actually jump on a plane and be able to use that time to step back, which we talk about, you know, not to lose perspective, take time that you have out of the business to be able to, you know, get get some of your thoughts down on paper, maybe. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't travel regularly or don't sit on an aeroplane or a train and can disconnect, I, I would suggest, and I've been reading up on this, people um, scheduling tech-free time and just, you know, moving their phone and tech into a different room and it, it goes kind of goes back to that kind of meditate and cut yourself off for just a short period of time, but uh, making it a regular occurrence. Are you sure this is not relationship advice? No, wait, no. Cut yourself <laughs> off from tech and actually spend some time talking to each other. There's, there's my tip. <laughs> this isn't a relationship program, Dave. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, what we should write that one down. Yeah. yeah, it could be a blog post. Eh? Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So I quite, I, it, it's just different ways of scheduling that time away from things in your life that can take up a large portion of it, like technology. So, yeah, that's why she doesn't want phones on airplanes. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Can you imagine sitting on the plane? Yeah. And, okay, maybe you're not going to be sat in economy, but, um, you know, you're going to have some guy next to you screwing down his phone. You know? mm, yes. Yeah. It's one of those things, isn't it? Mm. There'll be quiet carriages. It's fine. So the other thing that I really liked was something Elaine touched on and, and Catherine, which was, you know, this innovation group that um, Alliance Trust had put together to try and change the culture. Um, well, not, I wouldn't say change it. I would just say they're making sure it's constantly a, a certain way. So they're constantly trying to keep the culture and the company fresh and homely mm-hmm. and uh, innovative. And they do this by, uh, you know, Catherine had mentioned sabbaticals, volunteering time, and um, pilot light, wasn't it? Yeah. That uh, Elaine was talking about. Yeah, so pilot light being three hours a month to do that stepping back, that disconnecting from your business to, you know, to go and help with a charity and, you know, take that time out. You know, it's it sounds like a great idea. And, you know, I think um, Catherine's PA, Leanne, was... You know, just about to go on, I think it was her first sabbatical. So, you know, extended leave period. Um, she was, she was asking whether, whether over sort of six to eight weeks she was going to be able to, 
you know, to actually fully disconnect and, you know, not be thinking about work before she left. So that was, it was quite interesting that you're, before your sabbatical, worrying about whether you, no. <laughs> whether you're going to go. <laughs> um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing I've, I picked up was the this idea of the bigger picture always is ever present in um, both Catherine and Elaine's mind, but also must be the, must be ingrained into cult, the company's culture um, and about the sense of uh, if you losing your perspective uh, the point was made quite brilliantly at that time when she was talking about her children asking her to take off her uniform I mean it, it, there is a more blunt way of saying stop working than <laughs> is from your children saying no yes. wear a pair of jeans <laughs> yeah get your jeans on <laughs> No, that was really refreshing to hear. And, you know, Catherine to say it's the first thing I do is make sure I, you know, if I'm coming down the stairs in my jeans and, you know, basically the kids know I'm home. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so going back to this idea of perspective and, you know, creating this culture in the company, um, you know, looking after what I, what I took away was the fact that they look after their employees in a certain way, which then allows the employees to better run the business. Um, and, you know, it really came across that she was quite dedicated in creating an environment for growth and learning. And the staff are personally and professionally fulfilled in the sense that they're not in this mundane clock-in, clock-out job. Yeah. And, you know, there's real drive and they're customer-centric. And uh, and ultimately, you know, what I took from it, she, that it was powered by this idea that it had a very family feel in the in the company. It must be very familiar for you, that feeling, though. <laughs> yeah, just barrel of laughs every day. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, you know, looked, I liked Walt's, the, the example that she gave, which was um, young girl the young graduate who, you know, could, by the signs of what Catherine was saying, could clearly have gone to, you know, to work anywhere mm-hmm. and any financial institute but um, you know the values within Alliance Trust were such that she felt you know she was going to be in sync with the organisation that's what she liked the most and I thought that was I thought that was pretty awesome absolutely Um, the next point uh, you know how they're motivating individuals as management and that kind of thing. Um, very refreshing also to hear that they preferred face-to-face communication and it was an, a large played a large part in their roles. Um, obviously, they did use video conferencing and things like that, but the the ability to talk to people face-to-face, I always think, is you know encourages people more. I, I thought it was interesting. She said, you know, VC is good. It's not perfect. It's obviously saving money and travel oh, costs, yeah. carbon footprint, mm-hmm. and not great for difficult conversations. No, absolutely. You know, it's actually, good to I differentiate think, between that. Make that well, I would have thought most people would have gone for actually. Do you know what? Well, it's the easy thing to do. It comes. It's like absolutely. you know, dumping someone over text. It's like you can do it, and it makes your life easy. But if you're a moral person, it's not the right thing to yeah. do. So we can apply the same thing yeah. to a more a very serious. Important task. Um, the clear purpose again, sort of, it goes back to the conversation we had with Chris Martin, mm-hmm. which was, you know, make sure you're actually doing the right thing. Just don't be doing a lot of things. Do the right things. You know, do the right things well. Yeah. So again, the example of completer finishers. I think Elaine mentioned. You know, those those are really really important to business because. Anyone can waft in saying they're the ideas person, but if they can't actually execute on those, complete and finish them, then what use is, you know, a dozen half-started ideas that never get finished? No use at all. No use to no one. (laughs) Um, Also, you know, we talked about routines quite Briefly, and we've talked about routines in the past with the, you know Benjamin Franklin's routine early on in, this, in the um, in our podcasting lifespan, and um, what really stood out for me, and I mentioned this in the interview, was how you can put planning and routine like almost in the same kind of sphere, but it, she made it quite clear that they were actually quite separate from one another. So it goes back again to having this idea of the bigger picture, the castle on the hill, and. Um, 
And, you know, you if you restrict yourself to having a, a week routine or a day-to-day routine, you lose sight of that and then it comes back to a lack of perspective and then having that lack of perspective could mean problems later on down the line. And she explained that, Catherine, sorry, explained that in a very, I think, easy to understand way. That's okay, I have really... Until I, 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 I start talking about it, it's just a load of <laughs> Oh, it's so bad. Anyway, gosh. Uh, I've really used the word she, so apologies, Catherine. Um, I like the fact that um, we talked about resilience Mm -hmm. and the need, as we talk about agile quite a lot, you know, Catherine felt that, you know, being resilient, you've got to be agile, so you've got to be able to be quick on your feet, adapt, change. Um, And one of the points that really resonated with me when we asked the question about what do you think in the last two years has really you know, been a game changer for your productivity? It was, you know, better technology, yeah. better tech when you're out of the office. Mm-hmm. You know, so that does include, you know, there was a saying that I was discussing with someone else the other night, you know, oh, more tools just equal more fools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how many tools you got, if you've still got fools, you know, operating them, you're not really going to benefit your business. But, you know, the simple fact is, as Catherine mentioned, reaching into your bag, being able to pull out your iPad in those 10, 15, 20 minutes before you board a flight and triage your emails, whatever it may be, boom, that's productive use of your time. Mm, Squeezing the most out of it. You know, at other times you might just be standing there waiting around, you know, it's so accessible, there's no excuse really. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Elaine mentioned one thing I really liked. You've got this as well. I have, um... So mastering the art of delegation. That was a different one. But oh yeah, no. Oh, well, uh, yeah, well, it's kind of like it's kind of the moment to of going in it, mastering the art of delegation. But it, it morphs into knowing where to spend your time, and by delegating things, she has a better understanding and perspective of where to spend her time, where it matters the most, where she can make the most difference. And I think that that's not necessarily a, just a manager's only kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you stop wasting time doing things that are totally. You know, just not productive for you or beneficial for anyone, then the world maybe be a better place. Yeah, no, the phrase I took out of that was what not to focus on. Yeah, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually really important. So, and that, you know, comes back to exactly what you said there about delegation. Um, yeah, you can give that to somebody else so you're not focusing on it. Um, and then finally, in the last part, the nutshell question. Um, Catherine came out with a very simple but very, you know, forceful at the same time, don't sweat the small stuff. Mm, don't sweat the small stuff, absolutely. It speaks for itself, really, doesn't it? Yeah. And I really like this. Mm, we both were big fans yeah, of Yeah, yeah. Learn to say no to good things. Say yes to great things. Mm. Um, and how that was done was mm. with this important and urgent matrix that... Uh, we had a little laugh about how we managed to get anywhere near that quadrant of important and urgent. But anyway, we we made the cut somehow. Absolutely. Um, and then finally, we spoke about eating frogs. Eating frogs? Not the first time we spoke about eating frogs on the show. Going to France? Wait. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian Tracy's eat that frog. Uh, we've we've mentioned it before. Chris Marr uh, mentioned it before. Big shout out to Mr. Marr there because uh, Catherine listened to your podcast before coming on. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit of name dropping there. Yeah, she she remembered that you had mentioned Brian Tracy and eat that frog as well. Um, so yeah, I think very good. Take a lot from that. A lot. A lot of know, As I said, we could have sat and spoken all afternoon um we'll be writing this up uh we'll be transcribing this so if you prefer to read this and take snippets of text from it it can be easily accessed that will be on the website soon hopefully so that was an extra 15 minutes perfect there you go that was good so it's going to be a long episode but hopefully worthwhile please 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 make sure you do give us some feedback on this episode really like to hear as we said this is um sort of pivotal episode if you like for us in terms of sort of knocking it up a gear a higher level of uh guests we've got chris van der Kyle coming up in the next few weeks yep next, next couple of weeks um, and as of today you have confirmed uh, craig jarrell from uh time management ninja.com excellent so mm-hmm. if 
that man can't give us productivity tips to blow us away yeah. and you listeners then we there's no probably, hope we should probably pack away the mic sell the gear and get on our way uh-huh. uh, and focus back on the, our real jobs <laughs> focus back on the, the real stuff um, but so yeah, yeah leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now and also feel free to tweet us with your feedback or do you need a hand with this n- no I've got the handle down now okay it's all things underscore IO you can just Excellent. venture spleen there <laughs> in 140 <laughs> characters or less good excellent we hope you really enjoyed that uh, as thanks I said, for listening give us some feedback and we'll catch you on the other side catch you on the flip side bye 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 if you want more of all things productivity check out allthingsproductivity.com for articles videos and of course the all things productivity app and don't forget to leave us some feedback comment at allthingsproductivity.com or tweet us at allthings underscore io thanks for listening